Welcome to The Nature Photographer on Wild and Exposed, your source for the behind-the-scenes secrets of today's top photographers working in wildlife, conservation, and fine arts. The Nature Photographer is produced in collaboration with NANPA, the North American Nature Photography Association. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another episode of the Nature Photographer Podcast, brought to you by Nampa and Wild and Exposed. Tonight we have, there are four of us here tonight, we've got Jason Loftus, Ron Hayes, Mark Raycroft, and myself, Dawn Wilson. I don't, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in a little while. I know we've all been doing a little bit of travel. I think everybody's kind of excited. to. to it's summertime and we're excited about getting back out in the field. Um, I know I just got back myself from Alaska, so what have you guys been up to? I haven't been to Alaska. You just got back from Alaska. How long were you there for? I was there nine days. Spent a couple of days in Seward. It uh, wasn't very successful on wildlife down there, but I was kind of hoping to find some some black bears and some sea otters, but didn't. I struck out in both, but I did come across. Did I see my first coyote in Alaska down there? That was kind of interesting. Got a, a very brimps glimpse of him, and he took off to the alders, and that was the last of that. <laughs> Um, and then I actually took a group over to Lake Clark National Park to go photograph brown bears. So we did that for five days. That was phenomenal. I definitely missed being up there last year and we had an absolutely fantastic trip. We had all kinds of activity. I mean, we had lots of bear cubs, mostly second season, but lots of cubs. Um, they were out clamming. They were scratching their backs on trees. They were nursing right outside of our cabin. They had, let's, uh, they were playing, a lot of playing, um, watched mom teach, teach them how to dig for bugs and logs. So it just all kinds of really, really, really good interact, interaction between the sows and the cubs. Um, and then from there I spent, I went up to a couple different places to go photograph, um, collared pika and marmots and ground squirrels, Arctic ground squirrels and moose. You have to, yeah, I just have to photograph a moose when you're in Alaska, so. So I successfully accomplished that goal as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, sounds, like, sounds like a great trip. Awesome. Yeah. It was. How about you guys? I've just been shooting around here, uh, a lot of different assignments and editorial work. I don't start traveling until fall, but I am chomping, champing, chomping at the bit to go. But I've, I've had a lot of fun in, in Ontario, but there's a broader agenda already in, in play and some other stuff that's been floating around and wild and exposed about gear that I'm looking forward to using in the field at some point. But I'm not going to get into that here. But mirrorless technology, what is that, Raycroft? Speaking of gear, I actually got my hands on an R5. Somebody out in the field let me borrow hers when we were out photographing bears. I am hooked. <laughs> so I've got all my boxes here of all my camera gear. I'm going to start selling some stuff and doing the same thing i when you get it when you get it jason will tell you how to set it up set it up exactly how jason has it it's working for you Ron. <laughs> good it is finally yeah yeah no I, I i went and spent some time over in uh, colorado and um chased some velvet bulls around with my camera and uh actually what was fun is i, I i'm getting ready to go on a bear trip and i'm real excited i leave in a, a little under a week and a half and uh I uh, just can't wait. Going to go up there and go to Kodiak and, and spend some time photographing bears. Um, so for that trip, I got me a 70-200 to lenses, which I've been told would be a very good piece of equipment to have. 
And, you know, that's a great lens anyways for a lot of number, a number of reasons. But while I was over there in, in uh, Colorado, I decided I was going to just spend a couple of days. I was there for five days, and I spent three of the five days. I put that 7200 on that R5, and I didn't shoot with anything but that. And I'll tell you what, that was fun. I mean, it was a challenge. It was it forced me to think differently. Um, I really like the idea of, you know, just just kind of food for thought for anybody that's listening, but to kind of challenge yourself, think out of the box differently, you know, and when you use a different lens, it kind of forces you to to do some of that. So I, I like the idea of that. I'm going to probably do more of that um, in the future, and I was really excited with the stuff I got, and that lens is just incredible with that with that body, by the way, if anybody's wondering, so... And that is an R series, RS it, series. It's the RF mount seventy to two hundred two eight, yeah, and it's an, it's amazing. But the other one works great. Seventy to two hundred is my favorite landscape lens, to be honest. I stitch the heck out of things. Yeah, it compresses, makes the mountains look bigger. Um, you don't really get that distant look like you do with a wide angle lens. So that is definitely my favorite. And I've been a, a kind of a stitching addict here lately with wildlife environmental type stuff too so i'll you know moose standing on the bank of a pond or a, a lake whatever shoot the moose and then i'll take sequence of shots horizontally and stitch them together and make kind of a, a panographic um environmental type portrait yeah that's kind of cool that's i didn't think about that i had some bowls up high that were in a good situation where i didn't really need to do that um but it's still that lens was incredible, like you said, Ron, for wide, wider angle landscape type look. It, I was really impressed with the look and the feel it gave me out of the camera. But um, and these are elk bulls you're talking about, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yep, velvet bull elk. Yep. Um, and then I also spent some time here locally doing some bison rut stuff. Um, and, and just another pointer for Mark, I actually was playing quite a bit with some handheld video. Um, was shooting, and I'm by no means am I saying that. This is probably BBC Wild, you know, or Nat Geo type quality, but I was super impressed with how amazing the VR with that lens, the 1 to 500 and the R5 handheld at anywhere from 300 to 500 millimeters. And I'm just blown away with how smooth it is, especially the fact that it's, you know, high quality 4K handheld. Um, the one thing I will say is I did have for the first time ever doing some of that video stuff and it was so hot I mean, it was 104 degrees or something the night I was out there doing it and I did have my r5 heat up on me for the first time doing you know I was doing quite a bit of video but it was hot outside and I was hand you know I could feel it getting hot on the grip and um you know I just shooting that high quality 4k it just you know over over time I think it's going to happen it didn't shut me down didn't you know turn me off it didn't cause me any problems but it did come up with a warning light and told me it was getting too hot so and after how many minutes do you approximately did that happen? You know, I was shooting quite a bit, and then I probably did, I probably was doing little short burst clips, but I probably did 15 to 20 minutes of video just on and off, on and off, on and off. So I was putting it through the paces, you know, as far as, um, but if, but just free for thought, I mean, there still are some challenges there in really warm temperature if you're going to be shooting a lot of video. I think there, you know, especially in the high quality 4K or 8K. You know, there's there's definitely some still some issues with it. Is I guess my point. But and Ron, I think you said you've had some some time. It's done it to you a couple times. Once it it only did it to me once, and it was uh, 102 degrees outside. It was plenty hot, and I was shooting at 4K 120. 
so you're producing a little bit more heat anyway but that was the only time that it has has given me the warning and i just shut it off for a few minutes and and then when i turned it back on it was fine so i didn't have yeah, any same problems, here but. i took it out of video mode actually i kept shooting took it out of video mode and the light went away and i was fine it didn't give me any problems so but anyways that's my update well, very cool. Sounds like everybody's been busy taking advantage of the summer. So, so why don't we get into our topic today? We have a kind of a, a different topic. I don't think you guys have talked about this before, but I've talked to you guys off and on when I see you guys out in the field about this. And that is physical exercise and being in shape. And what kind of things do you do to stay in shape? Because what we're doing, and I think after coming back from Alaska, this is a perfect timing is really really good you have to be ready to be out there in the field you don't know how long you're going to be um you know tracking an animal or looking for an animal you don't know you you should know what kind of terrain you're heading into so that you're prepared for it but there's a lot of physical activity involved in what we do and i think one of the biggest things i i came home with a back that was just screaming at me and part of it was i have not been carrying my 500 on a tripod in the last year and a half because of covid haven't been traveling, haven't had all my gear with me, and I really noticed and felt it. Um, so there's there's a lot to be said for being physically prepared for being out in the field for doing what we do. You know, whether it's carrying the gear around or being able to safely maneuver around, you know, some more difficult terrain. Um, just kind of being aware of, even to the point of being aware of where you're placing your feet and how, how to kind of navigate like if you're walking through talus slopes or you're walking through a muddy field or those kinds of things so i we were going to talk about that this evening and kind of get some ideas of, of what you guys do and some advice for for other people completely being on that none of us are trained professionals in physical training or um you know how to how to stay in shape but just kind of some personal experiences and knowledge of, of what we've encountered as while we're outside so if I remember correctly, I think, Ron, it was you that was talking about, you went up to a, a trip up in Alaska to photograph doll sheep once. And I remember you mentioning that, if, you know, for a month or so before then, you were you're like, all right, I'm going to get out. I'm going to, you know, strengthen. I'm going to have, you know, build up my endurance. So what kind of things, why don't we start with that? Yeah, I actually hired a, a personal trainer and for very specifically, for specifically, not very specifically, but specifically for going after photographs of doll sheep uh, mark and mike had told me kind of about the the train that we, we'd be walking on and so i uh you know i, I was at the time just went full time a couple weeks ago too by the way so that was that's something new um but at the time i had a very sedentary job i'm sitting at a at a bank office so really the only exercise i get during the day that if i don't make the effort to do anything else is getting up and down from the chair walking back and forth across the lobby and that's not going to cut it when you're going after anything sheep. Uh, so I did hire a personal trainer, paid him for about three months and just to get me prepared for the up and down rigors of, of the hills. Every birthday you have, your knees take a little bit more of a beating or at least they tell you about it. So that was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I was ready for. And so we did a lot of very specific motion, you know, a lot of deep squats, lunges. Um, we did more hit training, not 
really as much cardio. The cardio was on me, and all I did for cardio was walk and just add more weight as I was walking every time that I went out. Um, but the hit training is is very intense. So it's you'll go hard for 30, 40 seconds to a minute, and then take a little bit of a break, and then you go right into something else, and you totally wear out one area before you start working on another. And I was very surprised when we started up the hill to go after the sheep, how good my legs felt. And uh, it turned out to be a great day. I mean, Mark Mark was there as well, so he can attest to kind of what we, what we did. And just, we didn't really try to sprint up the mountain, but we needed to get to where we were going and... Uh, and we got to the sheep in, in time to get some It was money injuries. well spent. You led the hike. It's like, it where's Ron? Ron's already up there. You were going every stage of the way and on the way down. So, yeah. Yeah, on the way down, I was a little slower. I was like, satisfaction yeah, of what take we it had in just on experienced the was yeah. definitely worth the effort. I didn't, yeah, I was in no hurry to get back yeah. to the vehicle. It was fun to watch you go. It was, and, and the enthusiasm was just contagious because of that too, but. Yeah, it was, that was great planning. Yeah, and so that has carried through to now. I do a little bit more of that. Now I've uh, I've also invested in a, a Peloton bike, and you definitely don't need to spend the money on a Peloton. There's several options out there, but it's a very good way to – I'm a competitive person, been involved in – or was involved in competitive sports um, most of my life growing up, and so the Peloton is a perfect opportunity to – make that competitiveness work for me it's not that i'm going to be the top cyclist in the world but at least it allows you because there's other people on the platform it allows you to push yourself a little bit just try to get the next person as far as your total output and that kind of thing and and that makes you push a little bit harder and so that's a it's a good tool as well and that biking motion simulates you know the up and down hills and that's something that might you know, got me into, he's a cyclist. Actually, I've, I've actually um, even so. seen unexpectedly, I've seen Mike in Denali and, you know, there's, there's certain places after you get past that where you can't drive anymore, that's, you either get on a bus or that's your other options to get on a bike. And yeah, there's, you know, up and down and it's, it's a gravel road. And so you really have to be prepared. And then you're carrying camera gear on either on your back or, you know, in some sort of you know, trailer or basket or something. So you have some additional weight that you're toting. And I know last year with Mount Evans being closed because of, of COVID, that was the really the only option, the only way you could get up there was on bike. And I know I was in no condition to be going up a 14,000 foot mountain on a bike. Um, so, you know, I unfortunately kind of missed out on that opportunity last summer with fewer people. But, you know, there, there's something to be said about being you don't have to be in super great shape, but if you can get your body toned to a point, you also help. That also helps reduce injuries too. Um, you know, we tend to go. I know a lot of photographers that have back issues. They have shoulder issues. They go to pick up heavy gear. They twist the wrong way. And if you keep your body a little bit, you know, a little bit more, you know, if supple is the right word, or a little bit more toned, um, that can certainly help with that. I can't. You know, I won't say it's going to prevent any of those types of injuries, but it certainly can help help prevent them over time, especially as we age. And I certainly am aging. I'm getting younger every day. (laughs) (laughs) So says my knees that are, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ron, did that personal trainer work on posing with you as well? 
<laughs> no, that was all natural. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Mark, what kinds of things do you do? I know you do a lot of canoeing up Good in segue. Canada. Uh, <laughs> yes, at times. It's it's still been quiet. I you know, I've picked up a new canoe. I I might go on Wednesday, but I have yet to do an interior trip this year. It's it's driving me crazy. My friends have gone, but due to other commitments, I haven't done it yet this year. But it's for sure on previous years, it's a great workout because you're the thing about this too is you're still in nature, you're in the moment, right? Your mind, the thing about exercising is it's healthy for us. I admittedly, I'll tell you, I don't do enough. I've been my whole life one of these stubborn people who I don't stretch it out, I just do my thing, I don't train for it. I have friends all around me in my age group that are, are training and working out religiously daily and I can see the benefits that they're reaping from it in, in all kinds of ways the physical attributes of course their endurance or strength but also the, the mental stress it's it's a big relief and I'll, I'll tell you I would welcome that in this COVID year I should be exercising more because of the stress that everybody's felt with every all these unknowns in our world and, and it goes on and on so for me I love the canoe because Every paddle stroke, you're making progress, you're gliding, you're balancing, it's working your torso, it's working your arms, your shoulders, but also your senses because you have to stay upright, you have to navigate the water and, and what it's doing, and it's a good workout where you're focused on the moment. When, what, what I mean by that is your mind isn't wandering like it does so much of our day. You know, We're thinking about things that are often related to stress. Uh, mental stress, anxiety, things. Whereas if we're doing a physical exercise like canoeing, rarely does the mind go there. It's more in the coordination of the of the ex of the effort, this physical effort that's being put forth. So I enjoy it, and I've missed it so far. My my buddies that I do these trips with just came out today from a five day trip and were sending me fish pictures and adventure pictures and all this. It's it's a great way to exercise in nature. Me personally. For the most part, it's nowhere near that exciting, but I do make a point virtually every day to walk in the woods for a while, for an hour. And not only does that, as you pointed out to earlier, Don, you know, foot placement coordination, your body stepping over logs around things, slippery slopes, whatever it might be, it keeps that in focus. But I see things like tonight I went this a uh, few hours ago for a walk and saw two male scarlet tanagers. It was the only second time this year I've seen them, and that's like a blessing of the day. I, I haven't, wouldn't have seen that if I didn't go out and hike for a while. And I'm a little embarrassed to say part of my motivator is this whole step counting system of digital technology. I don't have a Fitbit. I probably should. I carry my iPhone, my smartphone, in my my shorts pocket, and it's, and I I don't think it's a, a perfect science because I can jump up and down and get a lot of steps kind of thing. But it's good to see at the end of the day, like, you know, there's some motivation to that. Okay, I got 10,000 steps in today. I feel good about that. I feel good when I get those. I don't get those every day unless I'm in the field. If I'm in the field shooting like you were done, then it's a 20,000 step day. And that's, that's a high five for sure. For those, and here's a cheat code. It's not a good one. It's a cheat code. If you don't have time to get the steps in and you have a riding lawnmower, and you're carrying your smartphone, <laughs> you can rack them up. I mean, you're on the riding lawnmower for half an hour. That's a good 5,000 steps. Just saying, maybe Apple needs to tweak that. I don't know how they would. But that's, yeah, I don't count those. Although there's some we psychological used to get steps game. Driving, 
we used to get steps driving our RV, you know, it would come up saying, oh, you've just achieved 10,000 steps and all we've done is drive. It's like that something's wrong here. But, but yeah, it's funny, but it does work to a degree and that it does motivate, you know, and another thing I do when I'm walking in the woods in nature daily is I turn my phone to mute. So it's still with me. I could still decide to stop half an hour in and check if I've got a message. But it's not if if there's a flurry of messages going, it's not distracting me from the moment and seeing things, seeing the owl, seeing whatever it might be. So that's where I get it because it's a it's a it's not as good a workout daily as I really should be striving for. But it's the balance of steps and uh, mental uh, calming by being in the woods no camera necessarily i'm just going for a walk away from the office but that's uh, the limit of what i do but canoeing when you get on those trips it's a lot of fun and it's and then there's a portaging right it's the climbing over beaver dam uh the different things with your canoe your gear it's 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 navigating those challenges in the wilderness that and then it, it's it's mentally rewarding to accomplish that over days so for those that haven't done it if you're physically fit enough to do it i'd recommend going with somebody who has done it before who can guide you and teach you about canoes perhaps there are many places like often where i go in algonquin there are guides that you know will go on a one two day trip or even just a few hours and they provide the canoe and all that kind of stuff to get one's feet wet but not really wet if you know what i mean yeah yeah like you said yeah when you mentioned Alaska, we did, somebody in our group had a Fitbit and it did come up with 20,000 20, plus steps a couple different days. That's, and that's a lot of walking and that's not easy walking. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're on a beach, you're in, you know, crossing sloughs, you're in muddy areas where you really have to watch your footing. So yeah, that's a lot of walking. It gives you really good sleep at night too. <laughs> that's I don't know about the beach thing I, I don't think that I know you said on a beach I mean come on that can't be that hard I'm just joking with you but you're when we're out filming in the wilderness that's one thing you know in in interior trips I've done in Alaska you know it's always that challenge when you're you're scouting for an animal do you go look over that next rise it's half a mile away but always that drive to go and check and and when we find animals uh, of whatever sort it might be but assuming they're moving and not marmots that are on a, on a rock slope or something or pikas, which are so cool. But if we're moving with animals, time and effort to me, it vanishes. Those hours just blend in, in this blissful state of focus and the fatigue, you fight through it. The, as long as you stay hydrated, you keep going. And, and that's where, you know, keep the full Nalgene of water, get a water filter system, have it in your pack. They're as light as a feather and you know for me it's a couple of power bars and and i'm good for the day i keep going but that's we want to be able to do that i think that's the purpose of why don you you encouraged us to do this podcast is i mean you want to be able to fulfill that dream when you get there so the off season yeah people should i i should do better than i do you also bring up another good point of water. Water is a big part of the fitness aspect, you know, to, to make sure you're hydrated. And not just while you're in the mm -hmm. field, but staying hydrated on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's, Mark touched on one thing that I was going to talk about is um, when you're doing, when you're training for the, the photographic season, whatever your season may be, um, make sure you're doing it on uneven terrain you know train specifically for where you're going to be and that's 
one of the advantages to walking, you know, through the woods rather than just walking down the street in town or, or finding a trail that you can walk rather than just walking on a sidewalk because your feet are going to slip and you want your joints to be used to that. Uh, you're going to slip, you're going to have to step over things, climb over things, um, balance yourself, and that helps develop that core strength and uh, balance that's required to take care of your gear and to be able to function effectively as a photographer once you get to where you're going. I, I, Mark was just holding up the universal yes, signal. Yeah, I was going to go with it, man. And, and yeah, if you're hiking <laughs> slopes and you're not used to it, take the trekking poles. And even if you're used to it, what a game changer on some of those climbs, right? Um, and another joke, if you want to be better for endurance, switch to mirrorless cameras. They're lighter. <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, though. Don't go mirrorless video because you go back from, you know, go to a lighter system and then you throw it on a 40-pound tripod. <laughs> still saves you a little weight <laughs> yeah it does definitely does but carbon fiber is a game changer too jason how about you yeah i like everything you guys have said i i would only add that i do try to go to the gym quite a bit just for my own health um i go three to four days a week i do some weight training and some cardio but and and i think that helps a lot right it helps with a lot of things that we've all touched on but the one thing that i will say is that there's no amount of um, treadmill, cardio, stair climber, bicycle cardio, whatever that will substitute for just getting out and hiking. Um, and I, and I really, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to just get out and go for a hike or walk, even it's, I think that's even more beneficial than doing it in the gym. And I like the way Mark approach approaches it, you know, just trying to get out and be active that way. So, I mean, when I can't get out and be active, I let the treadmill substitute for me, but when I can, I just try to get out and throw the pack on and go for a hike too so yeah nothing real special or complicated i don't i have never done any specific training like you have ron i think that's a great idea i think if i was going to go back to denali i think i would probably take an approach like you did for the for the mountain climb to the to do the sheep i think that's a great idea um but in general i just try to lift some weights and do some cardio and try to stay active and the sheep was the vision every day when i was about to pass out because he did try to kill me, I'm convinced. <laughs> but it turned out to be something Don touched on earlier. Is the, you know, if you don't have a bus pass, you are either walking or you're biking. And I didn't have a bike up there. So to go to the caribou areas, it was what, Mark? 17 miles. Four-mile walk. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it was about a, at least a four-mile walk to get to where they were, three or four. And so it ends up being a 10 mile day. Yeah. You know, so that yeah. preparation definitely the thing helps. About is, sorry, Jason. Go ahead. Just quickly, the thing about caribou, when you find them, is when it really starts. Because right. then you, <laughs> right, rarely are they static. Then it's like, okay, we're going to keep adding to this day wherever they might be. That's, but then you're in the zone. You're not thinking about it. You just go, 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 because it's just a thrill every moment. Sorry, Jason, please. <laughs> no, you're good. And then you turn around and realize how far you've gone and go, ooh, we got to go all the way back. <laughs> That's what but happened no, I was just, the last time with caribou. <laughs> right, right. That happened to us, too, when we did it up there. But And that was another game changer up there, too, in Alaska is just the tundra. I mean, if you've never hiked or walked on tundra, it's a completely different ball game. It's basically like – it's kind of like a mix of walking in snow and sand. <laughs> 
So it's spongy and water and bags. Water bags. Yeah. Stepping on water bags. A lot of so navigating anyways. around. It's spongy. You have to lift your legs a lot. Right. And that right. can t- kind of tire you out quickly. You know, a lot quicker than if you're not. Yeah, if you're not already prepared to be out there like that. A lot of high stepping. Don't take new hiking boots and wear them for the first time on that trip. <laughs> Break them in. Oh, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but make sure you go. If you do end up up in that squishy tundra. Make sure you go back and check out the Wild and Exposed YouTube channel. We have uh, the redneck boot dryer that we had to make in the field because I got my boots soaked. Well, you can see Ron's story. There are four shorts about going up for the sheep. Four short videos, uh, one to like three oh, minutes yes, each. Sure. It's a great quick summary of that fun day. And it's, you know, even for people that aren't going into tundra or mountains, you know, there's, you know, the... the the more physically fit you are or you, you can prepare yourself for, for, especially for a trip, if you're spending a lot of money on a trip and you want to get specific photographs, even if it's flat terrain, it, you can go farther. You know, it's, you can get farther down that beach if you want to find sea otters or you can get farther down the, you know, you know, to find birds or whatever it might be that you're, you're going after. Um, you can just give yourself or maybe you do it faster. You know, if you see, a tanager that you normally don't see now all of a sudden you're you know you're prepared to to get out there into the woods <laughs> the other thing that i would say is uh prepare yourself for elevation people underestimate you know folks at sea level that come up and photograph in grand teton national park or yellowstone national park or rocky mountain national park often underestimate the effect that the elevation is going to have on you they they work out at sea level and then when they come up they're just completely winded and their legs are going quicker and that kind of thing because there is less oxygen so there are things that you can do to simulate that as well they've got some training masks that'll simulate you know higher altitude because it just restricts the amount of oxygen that you can get i experience that quite a bit with people that i take into the park that are oh yeah i'm physically fit i'm good and oh I, you know i run five miles a day and and they get to this elevation and, and even though I don't do five miles a day, I'm still ahead of them because it's I'm more acclimated to that living at that elevation. And they're like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, it's just it's purely all about that oxygen and that that air pressure that we or lack of air pressure that we have up here. It does really have a pretty significant impact on your body. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Ron. I'll tell a quick, funny story. <laughs> I was in Rocky Mountain last year and. I was I had dropped a vitamin. I was looking for some. I had my vitamins in my pocket. Took them out, dropped one. Looking on the ground, I'm at a parking area up high, and a truck comes driving by, and I didn't notice him drive by, but I was bent over, you know, my hands on my knees, looking for this for this piece or this vitamin. And <laughs> this gentleman turned around and came back, Southern boy, somebody from Texas, I think, and came out and said, "Hey, is everything okay? You you good? You good? Do you need any water? Do you need any Sprite? Everything okay?" And he thought I was dealing with altitude sickness or something right and was trying to it was being very helpful which was awesome i just was but at first i was like what do you mean i mean yeah we're fine what's <laughs> what would make you think that and it dawned on me that they had seen me bent over you know looking for my vitamin but anyways but that that gentleman had planned and was ready for that and obviously it was coming from a you know, probably a lower elevation area and was prepared for it so and was willing to help somebody else out in a situation where they thought they might be fighting to it right. But but I think that's a very, exactly, be very prepared to deal with that stuff because it's real. And I know people that have ended up in the hospital over altitude sickness. So, And also give yourself the time. I know, you know, when you come from, you know, if you're changing elevations, um, 
give yourself some time for your body to just acclimate it to it. I know when you get to a trip, you're like, no, I want to get, you know, you want to go, go, go. But you, ha- you really have to give yourself a day or so to kind of allow your body, body to adjust, you know, whether you're coming from sea level up to Colorado or you're going from sea, you know, in Alaska, you, you would stay at sea, sea level in most cases. Anchorage is at sea level, but the mountains are so, they rise so quickly out there that you do have to really kind of, re- you have to be prepared for it. What other tips do we have? Well, for I, I, there's something else is that, is that if the better condition you're in, no matter what the walk is like, with the adrenaline and the excitement of whatever you're photographing or filming, the better physical shape you're in, the, you, the more capable you will be to handhold your equipment to get the images you're dreaming of collecting, too. So, and especially if it happens right away. Sure, if you can get to a spot and... and recover for five or 10 minutes, that's fine. But if you're following something and you don't have that opportunity and what's happening is immediate, you want to be able to continue to breathe, get oxygen through your system and hold your camera steady enough to accomplish your goals. That is a good point. Thank you for the, was eight times, um, what, what do you, what do you call the IBIS in the cameras, the stabilization? Is it eight times in some of the new ones, right? Some it's of the new ones. Five times in camera, three times in the lens on some of the combinations. Right. So you get up to eight. Right. Yep. That helps. But it's still better if you can hold it steady. <laughs> so you're saying, yeah, you don't need to work out anymore? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> the I best workout is being in the field photographing. Oh, I agree. Sorry, constantly. Don. No, I was just going to say you could actually look at it the other way and say, well, if you're physically fit, and now you get those eight times, man, you are really ahead of the game. Just to give it that. Yeah, now you don't have any excuses. Everything needs to be That's trashed. Right. Maybe <laughs> maybe twenty years ago, yeah. But it's you know, and I and I guess you know, kind of you know, I think we've all kind of gone through our different different ideas here, um, you know. And I definitely don't want to discourage anybody if they're not fit and you know still get out there and, and shoot i'm just i think what we want to kind of communicate is that you know the, the more fit that you can be and the more prepared that you can be the better your opportunities are and i always believe that you know the better prepared you know there's that quote of you know chance favors the prepared mind and it's it's very true when it comes to wildlife photography or nature photography that the more prepared you can be prior to going out into the field i think the better you, you improve your chances once you are in the field yeah what's the saying luck is nothing more than when preparation meets opportunity. So I hope that that what we've talked about tonight in one of our um, short episodes for our listeners, it you know, kind of helps get you motivated, kind of thinking about maybe some of the trips you have coming up so that we can kind of help you with some additional ideas outside of improving your photography. You, this can also kind of help you f- see other ways to help improve what you capture. Um, so I think everybody's given some really good ideas, some good stories, and some some really good experiences. Definitely check out the Wild and Exposed YouTube page. It sounds like there's some good videos out there that show adventures they've been on out in the field for for what what to expect in some of these more remote locations. So so thank you everybody for for all those ideas, and it's gotten me thinking about I need to get my kayak out and t- pop that up on top of the truck and get that out i haven't been on mine yet either this year so it's you know it sometimes it could take more to put the kayak up and off the truck than it does to actually take the ride sometimes but but anyway so i appreciate you guys i appreciate the the input you had for our topic for this evening and i think with that we can wrap 
wrap up. This is the Nature Photographer Podcast. If you are not familiar with Napa, I definitely recommend checking out our website and all the different opportunities that we provide, not only our members, but non-members as well. And take a look at some of the benefits of being a member in Nampa can provide to you. You can do that on nampa.org. And as I mentioned, check out the Wild and Exposed YouTube page as well as their website for some of the past episodes. And be sure to subscribe so that you can get all the future episodes coming up that we have. We have lots of great guests that we still have on the docket as well as our past episodes with lots of great information. So with that, I will sign off for tonight. <laughs>